electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I am Brian Sullivan, and tonight, an about-face for Facebook. Investors are cheering their latest results are Mark Zuckerberg's ruthless cuts to thank. A solar meltdown. Why higher interest rates may be a threat to the entire industry despite billions in taxpayer subsidies. A bruising for Bud Light. New data shows just how much its sales are falling amid some controversy. Transforming Social Security as we know it. A new bipartisan plan to try and pull the program back from the financial brink by investing in the stock market. And guess which company is paying its interns $9,000 a month? That company is coming up. It's called the Deep Tease. So belly up or buckle up. Last call is up right now. Well, good evening here out east. Good afternoon out west. We're going to get to all those stories and more over the hour. But first up on last call, Iger strikes back. Today, Disney sued Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Disney alleged the Republican governor has waged a, quote, relentless campaign to weaponize government power against the company. It's all for expressing its opposition to a Florida law which would limit conversation about sexual orientation in schools for kids from kindergarten to third grade. The lawsuit comes after an oversight board appointed by DeSantis declared null and void the agreement that Disney made in February to retain control over its theme park's tax district. In response to Disney's lawsuit, DeSantis's communications director says this, quote, We are unaware of any legal right that a company has to operate its own government or maintain special privileges not held by other businesses in the state. It continues. This lawsuit is yet another unfortunate example of their hope to undermine the will of the Florida voters and operate outside the bounds of the law. Bottom line on this story, if you're confused, because I am, both sides, the governor of Florida and Disney, appear to be digging in. And Disney fans may just be feeling caught in the middle of this Star Wars-like drama. I am your father, Ron. How will the power struggle with the Magic Kingdom play out for reaction? Let's bring in the founder of Pro DeSantis, Never Back Down Pack, Ken Cuccinelli, and Senior Associate Dean at the Yale University School of Management, Jeff Sonnefeld. Jeff, I'll start with you. It just, forget about how you feel about the underlying topic. What's happening here is both sides, it feels like they're just lose-lose. I don't know, when does this end? How does this end? Well... Disney didn't start this. Uh, Bob Iger and, and Disney, they're just exercising their constitutional right to have a, a, a private opinion as a, as a private employer. I think it's just great when you sort of went into the Star Wars theme a second ago, although that's not a Disney movie. But yes, uh, Bob Iger is like, st- uh, like uh, Luke Skywalker. Uh, again, not Disney movie. But who's he taking on? He's taking on Sea Witch, Ursula Sea Witch. A lot of hot air, a lot of steam and smoke. And there's nothing there to DeSantis. He's desperate and clawing. You know, Benjamin Disraeli, prime minister of Great Britain 150 years ago, said that courage is like fire and bullying is like smoke. 
uh, what Iger's doing is just blowing away. He's figured out how to blow away DeSantis's uh, nonsense, his bullying smoke. There's there's no there there. All they did was ex ex exercise their constitutional right, a major force in the state. Why would he get take this on? It's DeSantis is is desperate. His polls are plummeting. He, he, he was beating Trump in the polls in December, and now he doesn't even have half as much as Trump. He's looking for something. The cruise industry, the sugar industry, he took on Apple. Today, he also said maybe maybe Ukraine should give up and have a ceasefire and give away all the land. He said just the opposite two weeks ago. Then before that, he said the yeah. opposite of that. This guy, I, was, I saw Kim Kardashian yesterday in an event. He's more desperate for attention than Kim Kardashian. Well, that's saying something. Ken, I mean, listen, with, 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 with the, gov the governor wants the White House not Space Mountain. Is there some way he can sort of elegantly get out of this or should? Or do you think the fight is actually paying off and maybe we're just seeing it the wrong way? Well, the, the governor is hanging out with Floridians, not the Kardashians. And the Floridians voted for this. It was not a new fight. This is round three of the contest with Disney, who has massive special privileges in Florida. Those are being stripped away. They're upset about it. The, le the recent revelations from, because Florida has a serious sunshine law, show that Disney wrote the deal that was not legal, and it's pretty clearly not legal. They're gonna lose this case. Um, and this is about Florida first. And the thing about DeSantis is that he finishes these fights. Disney keeps coming back. They tried to end run the will of the people, as you noted, um, as you heard from his press office. And that's not going to happen successfully. Governor DeSantis has been very successful winning these fights against not just Disney, but others uh, that are cultural fights that have business implications. Sure. Which is and, why, by, and, Ken, by the way, which is following why through is, you, is, is a hallmark for Governor DeSantis. You just described this exact show. Thank you. A cultural story with business implications. But let me go back to you first, Ken. How would you, do, you said win the fight. How would you define winning here? I just don't know what the victory might be. So, I know what victory is in the White House. You get more votes and you go and become president. What's the victory here? So you, you're looking at it through the wrong lens. He's doing this as governor of Florida. I hope he runs for president. That's why the PAC I helped found exists, uh, is in that hope. But the fact of the matter is, he is the most admired Republican in America right now because of the success he's had, the most successful chief executive in decades in the United States, and beating back the woke mob, including the corporations, has been part of it. The ESG fight is part of it. CRT in the schools, which is where this whole thing with Disney began, is part of it. And Nikki Haley signed in here today on Disney's side. We're going to go out with an ad and point out just how bad Disney is on these issues. And we're going to yeah. we're going to spell it out. And, well, and Nikki also, Haley's going to have to own that. Ken, she also said, you know, Disney, why don't you move to South Carolina? Probably tongue in cheek. I don't think you can move it basically a country, which Disney is about the size of that. Jeff, if you were going to you were critical of DeSantis, but you're a management guru. If you were going to pull him aside. All right. Shake his hand and give him some advice on what to do here with the situation is getting sort of uglier by the day. What's the advice? Uh, I, I think I would su suggest that maybe he get a different pack or a different pack leader, as nice a guy as Ken Cuccinelli is, unless you are uh, uh, somebody who's trying to work in this country, if it's foreign born, anybody else, I think you need a different leader of a different pack, a pack that says don't stop as you're going off a cliff. This is going right off a cliff. 
uh, here he's he's lost just about every camp, every fight he's taken on. I don't know what Ken's talking about. He lost against the sugar industry. He lost against the cruise line industry, trying to punish them because the passengers, the passengers and the staff uh, wanted to have uh, vaccinations uh, and they punished him for that. Well, he had to give up on that. He's had to give up on taking on Apple on, you know, on, on whether or not they were somehow woke. Uh, it's crazy. He just looks for these targets. Uh, trying to attack freedom of speech. Here they are, the largest employer, an economic force. 60, uh, 60 million tourists come into uh, Florida a year for Disney. It's uh, 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 75,000 employees. They're going to hire another 14,000 is their plan. And he wants to put a prison up there and create this special district oversight of completely unqualified people. These five people, do you know that one of them says only Christian boys should be educated? Another one says you get gay by drinking tap water. I mean, what are these nutcases he's putting on this oversight board? And it's not brand new, Brian, by the way. This goes back 70 years they had this deal. It was fully transparent when they went th- when they just renewed it. They had but two just, public hearings. Jeff, I'm just saying, how, yeah, do we, you know. how do we get out of this? I mean, this has well, to, this will so end. Way we get out of end. Ken. Yeah, the, I mean, honestly, the way this round is going to end is Florida is going to win the lawsuit. Uh, this is a weak, weak lawsuit. It's a PR lawsuit. You can tell because the Disney lawyers were telling the general, old general counsel of this district, hey, you should... You should change this so it looks like you wrote it, but Disney wrote the whole thing. They're used to getting their way. They're not getting their way. They're being dragged back to the standard of every other business in Florida who doesn't get to govern not only itself, but its competitors. Disney's competitors exist in this district as well. So I mean, talk about unfair. So, And I'm speaking, by the way, to the substance, unlike you'd think a professor would know that ad hominem attacks show your weakness, professor. What's the ad hominem attack? Calling him Seawitch? I, I I didn't go for the film imagery. Brian suggested the Luke Skywalker stuff. I'm just looking at a classic Disney villain here. But the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Marlins, <laughs> they have a comparable is. deal. Uh, is Wayne Huizenga. These deals were very common, these special districts for economic development in Florida and other states. I'm sorry that the governor apparently was too busy out there grandstanding that he doesn't know the history of his own state on economic development and that this deal, they just went through it. They had two public hearings. It was very transparent. This is pure vindictiveness for a, com- a country, a company that's exercising its First Amendment constitutional... Yeah, but, it, but, it, but it feels, like, gentlemen, it, feel, it feels like both could lose, right? Some people might decide, you know what, I don't want to get caught up in that crap. I'm going to go to Universal, so, better so that, rides anyway. That's a, well, that's a good go point. To can I address that California, point? Can I address that point? And then DeSantis' political future gets jeopardized. I yeah, don't can see I address that point. Why so, they put a so prison look, the, 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 the governor, when he became governor by only four-tenths of a percent in Florida in 2018, he said, look, I'm going to follow this path that I ran on. It was a conservative agenda. That's what he's done. And there were a lot of people, as you might imagine, who said, you know, that's too harsh or under the middle. Do these things. Well, the people of Florida reelected him with almost 60 percent of the vote. He is willing to stand with his own political future by these decisions. Find too many other people of either party who are willing to actually stand and take accountability. He believes he's doing the right thing. You obviously disagree, and I respect that. Um, But he will be judged for this, and probably very quickly. We are happy to see it. We believe it's consistent with his willingness to fight, including on cultural issues, which is important. Nikki Haley's cowering from it. Donald Trump just, has sided with Disney. For a wedge, wedge issue. This is not presidential. No, timber. That, that's the ad hominem stuff. I don't know, why does he attack Disney? 
He's attacking. There are 130 other companies signed that same that same petition. 130 others. He's yeah. picking Disney just because of the grandiosity. Well, he's looking to get attention, and he's fallen in the polls. He's Ken, plummeting. He's not running for governor. Ken and, Je Ken and Jeff, listen. The, the music is telling me that the producer is telling us to move on, and but I do appreciate it, guys. Thank you. The fight be more. nowhere near ended. Thank you. Right. All right. In the meantime, here's what happened to your money today. It was two down, one up. The Dow and the S&P fell. NASDAQ rose about a half a percent. There you go. Most of that, though, by the way, was Mike. We told you Microsoft is so big, it dragged the market, kicking and screaming up on the NASDAQ. Take a look at the future, see how things are shaping up for tomorrow morning. Looking okay. NASDAQ features up about a half a percent. That's probably the meta slash Facebook effect. All right, up next. How does 9000 a month in pay sound? Pretty good, right? Well, how about if you're an intern? It's happening. We'll show you what companies. Plus, Facebook earnings are out. Investors are happy. Zuckerberg's cutthroat year of efficiency paying off. Stick around. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, time now for tomorrow's news tonight. Stories that you might be talking about tomorrow morning, especially if you watch CNBC. And tonight, there is a major one on the Hill. House Republicans just narrowly passed a bill that would raise the debt ceiling. Here is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy a short time ago. We lifted the debt limit. We've sent it to the Senate. We've done our job. We were the only body that passed anything. Why do you assume the Senate can pass anything? Because I haven't seen him do anything. Now, that bill would raise the debt ceiling by one and a half trillion dollars, but cut down on future spending increases. The government risks going into default if some kind of agreement to raise it does not hit the president's desk as soon as June. That according to the Treasury. The White House now responding to the bill's passage, saying, quote, the president has made clear this bill has no chance of becoming law and that the U.S. pays his bills. I will remind you, in 2006, the president voted against raising the debt ceiling and in 04 and 03, indicated he would do so again if put up for a vote. But politics changed. That was $20 trillion in debt ago, by the way. All right, in the meantime, Mark Zuckerberg's year of efficiency is apparently yielding some serious early dividends for meta investors. Julia Borston has more on their numbers, which investors, Julia, seem to really like. Well, Brian... Yeah, that's right. Investors are, are really liking these results because Meta beat expectations across the board, showing a surprising return to revenue growth after three quarters of revenue declines. Now, earnings and user growth also beat projections, and Meta issued strong forward guidance. 
And the company also brought down the upper end of its expense guidance as CEO Mark Zuckerberg stressed the ongoing advantages of cost cutting. But Zuckerberg also talked about the company's investments in AI, a term mentioned more than any other term on the earnings call 57 times. The other major focus of our AI work is foundation models to enable a lot of new use cases, including generative AI. That's been a pretty amazing year of progress on this front, and the work happening now is going to impact every single one of our apps and services. And I'm incredibly excited to ship more of the things that we're building over the coming months. Amid Zuckerberg's enthusiasm for AI, he stressed that Meta is not losing its focus on the metaverse and that these AI investments will support this long-term metaverse vision. Narrative has, has developed that we're somehow moving away from, from focusing on the metaverse vision, so I just want to say up front that that's not accurate. Um, we've been focusing on both AI and the metaverse for years now, and we will continue to focus on both. The two areas are also related. Meta CFO Susan Lee also talked about the advertising market stabilizing. So now we're watching to see if that stabilizing ad market is reflected in the earnings of Pinterest and Snap, both of which report tomorrow afternoon. Brian? All right, Julia, stick around. Let's bring in our panel on this, and we'll include Julia as well, because since Meta's fourth quarter results, its market cap has gone up by about $146 billion through today's close. Now the stock was once left in a pile of rubble as soon as last year. It's now up 68% this year. That is before the after-hours move as well. Does this mean that Zuckerberg's plan, even with all the layoffs, is paying off? Dan Ives of Wedbush Securities and Delay Patel, The Verge, joining us now. Dan, first to you, your take on the numbers. Investors seem to like them, but I have no idea what generative AI is, so what's your take? Yeah, look, this was the Goldilocks quarter uh, because it's not just on the cost efficiency. It's about growth. And that's something that we're seeing really across tech. The big question was digital advertising, is that stabilizing? And the guidance they gave, I mean, that's really music to the ears of investors. And overall, big tech, it's really been just a strong week across the board, Microsoft to Google now to Meta. And I think ultimately they're talking the talk, but now they're actually walking the walk. This is a stock that continues to go higher, in my opinion. You know, Nalay, we're going to talk about the NFL draft in, in about 20 minutes. And I, my advice to any draftees watching is just to put AI in their name now. I'm not just a quarterback. I'm AI. And I didn't even know Facebook had an AI program. Do is, is, you think Zuckerberg's kind of just jumping on that bandwagon? Or do you really believe they've got the focus and the knowledge and the willpower to do it? I'm looking for the Packers to draft AI NFT number eight with their new first-round pick from the Jets. Um, look, I, I, all the big tech companies have been working on AI for a long time. The number that jumps out at me from this is monthly actives went up about 5%. Ads went up 26% year over year. They're serving more ads. The price of those ads went down 17%. So they're serving more cheap ads to their users. At some point... They got to bring the prices of those ads back up in order to <clears throat> recapture the revenue they've lost. And in particular, those ads are basically at Instagram Reels, where they're really competitive with TikTok and YouTube Shorts. So this is one of the more competitive ad markets Facebook has ever had to play in, Meta has ever had to play in. And I think that's the really interesting part here is whether that market can continue to subsidize the metaverse, can continue to subsidize this AI stuff that yeah. we're just now hearing about while they pivot the business into what Zuckerberg thinks the future is. I, lo I love it, Julian. Nalay's talking, you know, he, you can be a fancy chef, 
but it's the grilled chicken sandwich that pays the bills. And that's what Nalay's talking well, about. That's the boring ad market on Facebook that nobody, they just want to talk about the sexy stuff, They're like little robot or well, Lego but, men walking around the, the metaverse. <laughs> the, Facebook's still paying the bills. Yeah, but what I would say, Brian, and just to clarify, is that AI has been used not just by Meta, but by all of these companies, including uh, Google and Alphabet, for years. AI is used to target ads. What we're talking about now is generative AI, creating things with AI. And what they talked about on the call is that these types of tools are already starting to be used by advertisers to more quickly and efficiently create ads that work. And part of their nearer-term optimism about generative AI is that they'll be able to use it to improve the return on investment for brands who, who are working on their platform. So I think that's really what the AI thing is about. So we, ha- we have to acknowledge this has been sort of broadly used by the, the industry for years. Now they're just trying to really bring it to the next level. And one thing that is key, if we're going to talk about ads, is the fact that the fact that consumers have been shifting over to reels and using the short form video format, there just aren't as many ads in that format. That's why they talk about the popularity of reels being a revenue headwind. They did announce and clarify that by the end of this year, early next, year, Reels will no longer be a headwind. It'll either be neutral or it will be a tailwind. So that's yeah. another nope. key transition that the company needs to deal with and to get to. You know, Lay, you've been, we've got these giant monitors. You've been shaking your head vigorously in agreement. Agreement of what? Well, I think my co-conference co-host, Julia, is very smart. I think everything she said is right. I do think that the hard part for Facebook here is they've never had direct competition inside of this ad format. Right, a Facebook ad has been usually pretty different than a Google ad, usually pretty different than a YouTube ad. A TikTok ad and a YouTube Shorts ad and an Instagram Reels ad are basically the same creative. So they've got to go convince the advertisers, one, we can find your users and convert into sales more efficiently on this platform, hard to do. And like you just saying, our AI tools are going to help you more easily create custom creative that actually converts better. This is meat and potato stuff. I think mm-hmm. the AI piece of it is, can I type go find me customers and show them ads they like into Facebook and the AI will take yeah. care of the rest of it. That's a pretty big dream and potentially very lucrative. Yeah, Dan, because I'm old enough to remember something called the metaverse where people were spending real money like, to like live next to the metaverse Snoop Dogg. I, we don't even talk about that. Suddenly now we're talking about AI. What do we do with the stock? Do we own it? Do we sell it, buy it? What are we doing on this? Yeah, look, I, in my path, you know, I think this is still a green uh, to, to own, you know, not just these names, but I think overall FANG could be up another 15% this year. I think that's the narrative that we're seeing from cloud to digital advertising. And these companies, they're cutting costs after yep. spending money like 1980s rock stars. I, it, Brian, I think in my opinion, this is, and we'll see with Amazon tomorrow as well and Apple next week. It's big tech really flexing the muscles here. That's it. And, and we go back to this. Nalei said the meat and potatoes, not about the sexy stuff. It's about the stuff that pays the bills. You guys got the skills to pay the bills. Dan, Juliet, Nalei, appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Quick programming note. Tomorrow, Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick will join Squawk Box ADM to talk about the company's earnings and the $75 billion acquisition deal with Microsoft, which just got whacked by UK antitrust watchdog. All right. Still ahead. It is that time of the decade again. Should the government be allowed to invest your Social Security money into the stock market. We're going to speak with a senator who makes the case. Next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. As the graphic says, it is time now for your daily RBI. And today, let's get random but interesting on something many of you may be thinking about for yourself or your kids this summer. Internships. Now, normally you may think of internships as unpaid jobs, which college kids just happy to have a job and get their foot in the company door. Well, not anymore. Apparently, there is insane demand and insane money up for grabs. Job site Glassdoor recently released its list of the highest paying internships for the year. And we advise you to either sit down or take another sip or both. Let's walk through the top 10. Remember, these are monthly paychecks, not pay for the entire summer. Consulting company EY Parthenon paying an average of just over $7,000 a month. That is followed closely by Amazon, Bain, and even beaten up Credit Suisse willing to pay just under 8K, breaking the $8,000 cap. We've got Capital One, followed by the company we just talked about having their new Coke moment, Meta, then Coinbase and NVIDIA. That's per month. Out of the top two, can you guess? Eh, maybe. Roblox takes the second spot with an average paycheck of just over 9000 a month. And drumroll, please, Stripe. Get your kids a job at the payments company Stripe. They took the top spot. They pay $9,064 on average, about $27,000 to intern for three months. Kids, learn to code. It's a certainly a long way from slinging burgers or mowing lawns, although you will get tanner and stronger mowing lawns. By the way, if you're wondering, on average, interns who are paid make about 4000 per month, which kind of surprised us as being also random, but interesting. All right, moving from college to retirement, talk of major reforms to Social Security. A recent Social Security trustees report finds that the retirement fund will run short of cash by 2033, just a decade from now. But one lawmaker is coming forward with a potential solution. Senator Bill Cassidy is leading a bipartisan charge that would allow Social Security funds to be invested in the stock market. Currently, those funds, your money, only allowed to be invested in U.S. Treasury bonds or cash. Now, over the long term, the returns on those are paltry, to put it mildly, but they're also safe and reliable. Meantime, the stock market could provide far more robust returns, but with obviously higher risk. But Cassidy says that this change in Social Security could address 75% of the program's funding shortfalls. Joining us now with more is the man himself, and that is Louisiana, Senator Bill Cassidy. Senator Cassidy, thank you for joining us here on, on Last Call. When people hear this, they get nervous. They see the stock market down 40%, and they think, not my money. Hey, Brian, you set it up beautifully, except one thing. We would not be using Social Security trust fund dollars. This fund would be separate from the Social Security trust fund, and the risk would be borne by the fund, not by the beneficiary. I would argue there's a much greater risk of doing nothing now, because when the program goes insolvent, uh, beneficiaries, current and future, will get a 24% cut. Now, now, that's a risk. 
That should be the third rail of Social Security, doing nothing and, getting, and beneficiaries getting a 24% cut. We, we create a fund, bears the risk, and keeps the beneficiary whole. What is the difference, Senator, between the trust fund and the beneficiary's direct money? Well, the trust fund is, is, has the money that you and I have been paying into Social Security for as long as we've been working. So, so that is in the trust fund, period. That's over here. We create a fund separate from that. Uh, put $1.5 trillion in it over five years, invested in the economy, think stock market or such like that. By the way, this is what every private pension fund does. This is what governments do around the world. Uh, but it's not what the U.S. government does in order to fund Social Security. Separate fund, no social benefits in there, all the risk is borne by the fund, and yes, there's ups and downs, but over time we know the stock market's gonna perform well, and we use that money to pay those promised benefits and to keep that 24% cut from happening. Yeah, the average return is about eight or 9% per year over 100 years, but we do know that in those average returns, senators, you very well know, there have been these terrible periods where the markets have done nothing for a couple of years or gone flat from 1968 to 1981. How would the fund weather those types of storms? Two things about it, Brian. First, first, uh, the risk is borne by the fund. I've said that, but I'll say it again. But secondly, we've actually mapped out uh, what would happen if you had a great financial crisis like in 2008. And then you look at the recovery. We've mapped out what happened in the Great Depression, 129, uh, 1929, and then you see the recovery. What we know is when you hold over the long term that the recoveries make up for the dips. Now, by the way, you mentioned the number. We take care of 75% of the deficit. Only 75%, but 75%. Now we need our presidential candidates to come to the table and help us find out the other 25%. We've taken it as far as we can. Now we need bipartisan support and we need a presidential candidate not to deny there's a problem like the two leading candidates are doing, but to admit there's a problem and to work with us to find that additional 25%. Well, when, okay, you, you are also a medical doctor, Senator. And you know, in, in the discussion about not Social Security, but Medicare, Medicaid, debt ceiling, right? Medicare and Medicaid are caught in the debt ceiling fight now. The president tweeting out that, you know, everybody wants to be thrown off. The Republicans saying this, I don't know. But when do we have an honest conversation in this nation about why healthcare costs per capita have soared to the point, to the point where it doesn't matter whether we can pay for them or not. They were $1,200 per person in today's dollars in 1970, in today's dollars, now they're $12,000 because we have all these crises of obesity and everything else. Do we have that conversation ever or do we just forever talk about how to pay for it? That conversation has to be led by a president because a president is the one who ultimately has to sign a bill into law. It's been hard for me to get this president to talk about Social Security in an honest way. Or his leading contender, President, former President Trump. Now, what you mentioned about Medicare is a far more difficult conversation. 
uh, um, it's also much private, more emotional. It's also private health insurance. They've both gone up, and they continue to go up, and the Kaiser Family Foundation All says they're going to continue to go up. And when you look at that, you think, how do we pay for this? When do we have an honest and difficult, conver- a grown-up conversation about why America needs so much health care? Why are we so sick? You know, I'm, I'm so well... I am so well, I am so happy to have that. I can point out that our longevity has increased dramatically. I'm told that now if you're 60, you have a 50% chance of living to be 90. And if you're currently 30, you have a 50% chance of living to be 100. Uh, so we know that healthcare has actually helped us live longer. I always say in a group of 100 people, there's someone in that room who's alive or whose life is much better because of modern healthcare. So we, 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 we've certainly gotten benefits from that. But to your point, can we continue to afford it without changing things? Probably not. And I will also say that mm-hmm. we need to have that honest conversation, to agree with you. I would say it begins with Social Security because that's the easiest conversation. We've got a proposal that fixes 75% of the problem at no risk yeah. to the beneficiary. But we can't get the leading presidential candidates to even admit there's a problem. They're being dishonest with the American people. Let's have that conversation and then let's move on to tougher ones. Well, you might have heard there's an election next year, I'm told. Senator Bill Cassidy of the great state of Louisiana. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. All right, on deck. Thank you. Is America's solar industry facing some dark clouds? What happened with one big solar company that is opening a lot of eyes and has parts of Wall Street urging investors to sell? All right, welcome back. Time now for a quick last call watch list at the top of it. First Republic Bank. Investors losing even more money today. The bank shares nosediving 30%. That's after 50% drop yesterday. The bank now worth just over a billion dollars. For reference, First Republic is worth more than 40 billion back in November of 21. Investors are losing faith. The bank will be able to find buyers in its desperate bid to sell assets to shore up the balance sheet. Also reports the federal government has no plans to step in and rescue it. All right, enough bad news. Here's some sully side up, salsa style. We're also looking at Chipotle. They made investors a lot of money today. The stock up nearly 13%, an all-time high on strong quarterly results and robust same-store sales growth. Finally, though, there's this. Enphase Energy shares the solar and battery component company wiping out about one-fourth of investor value today. Stock now down 38% this year. Sales of some of its key parts fell 21%, much worse than expected. There are two reasons investors are worried about this solar company. Number one, higher interest rates are hurting its business because it makes borrowing money to buy the rooftop solar or maybe buy inventory more expensive. And get this, a new California law will soon go into effect that will limit the amount of money you can make from the power that you sell back to the grid. That effectively makes solar more expensive by limiting what you can get back. Enphase stock, your disaster du jour. So let's stay on the solar story because if that kind of sounded odd, it is. I mean, think about it. On one hand, California is urging everybody to slap solar on the roof, do the right thing. But on the other hand, the state then passes a new law that could make solar more expensive, particularly in the near term thus making it less likely that people can put solar or afford to put solar on their roof. Confusing, I know. And this is not the latest big hit to solar even this week. 
Remember First Solar, America's biggest solar maker, got hit with a sell rating on Monday. The analyst came on this program and said he had a challenging outlook because China was just too cheap. And speaking of, companies there, they're doing just fine in China. With one of their biggest solar companies, called Trina Solar, posting booming sales. So what exactly is going on here in an industry that is supposed to be booming in the United States? Joining us now to add some perspective, managing director and founder of Energy Point Research is Doug Sheridan. Doug, I always enjoy reading your stuff on LinkedIn and everything. Very thoughtful. Listen, that's the confusing part. We're supposed to all go solar, but then California does stuff like, well, yeah, you can go solar, but you're not going to profit off the electricity if you generate too much. Yeah. So to some extent, the industry, reality is catching up with the industry, right? And so there's a number of minuses, headwinds that the industry is facing right now. Um, you've got shifting incentives. Um, certainly the IRA is a, is a big number and there's a benefit there, but you put your finger on what's going on in California. In Texas, there's bills going through the uh, legislation, we're going through the House right now that could very definitely change the picture in Houston in between California in Texas, um, you've got a large portion of the installed solar base that is installed now and, and coming in the next few years. And the Texas legislation is looking to potentially limit the extent to which solar is going to get a free ride in the, in the, uh, on the system. And so those are problems. Um, the, the, as I see it, there's also the additional problem that you're never going to be able to get away from. And that's the, the issue with penetration. Um, between you and I could come up with better legislation than we're getting out of, to be honest, our politicians in California yeah. and even in Texas. We, we could do it. We could just sit down. And one of the things is that we would be smart enough to know to not keep shifting things on parties. And when you basically hold out a carrot and then you remove that carrot, and the market's going to react. And um, it's already a, a, a and that's technology that is limited in many regards because, and just real quick here, um, you know, at the end of the day, Texas has what it's called an energy market, and that is a misnomer. We are in a reliable energy market, right? That's what that's what the market is looking for: reliable energy. And there's no real way you can paint solar energy or wind energy in a manner such that you can get reliable energy anywhere close to the cost that, that uh, fossil fuel and other baseload um, but is it, sources Doug, we can provide. We gotta wrap it, are we finding out that a lot of this, and by the way, solar is great if you can afford it, but now you got to slap a battery on there in California. It's another 10 to 50. It's a lot of money for a lot of working class families. Was a lot of this just a low interest rate play? I think so. I think, think there was also just an opportunity to try to get in on on the ground floor, there's a lot of enthusiasm. Those numbers surrounding the IRA certainly are eye-catching. And so, like I say, it's kind of catching up to reality. I don't think the sector is necessarily in a tailspin. I think it's going to settle down, mm -hmm. um, and it certainly has a role to play. But I just don't think the role is nearly as big as um, some in the media and certainly uh, in D.C. want to hope, want to suggest it is. And, and, you know, there's a lot of hope around all this. There is. And I, I was at a conference, Doug, we'll let it go there. I was at a conference in, in January. I said, man, every oil bro is now a solar or wind bro because that's where the money is going to go. Doug Sheridan, really appreciate your view. Energy Point Research. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. On tap, if you thought the 
brew haha over Bud Light's marketing was just noise. Think again. New data shows how much sales are actually being hit. All right, welcome back. Call it a beer boycott, if you will. Call it whatever. Conservative activists recently calling for a boycott on Bud Light after Anheuser-Busch made custom beer cans for a transgender social media influencer named Dylan Mulvaney. Well, the boycott is apparently working. According to data from Beer Board, which monitors bar statistics around the country, pours of Bud Light have declined 6% during the first half of April. Since the controversy began about a month ago, shares of Bud's arch-rival Molson Coors have notably outperformed AB InBev, the parent company, of course, of Budweiser. Look at that. Now, related or not, let's find out. Joining us now is Wharton School of Business professor and CNBC contributor, Americus Reed. Americus, uh, thanks for coming on. I don't want to dig in, dive into all the social and cultural stuff because that's what's going to get picked up by everybody else. What If you're teaching a class on this at Wharton, what's the, fir- what's the syllabus? What's the first lesson plan? Well, thanks a lot for the opportunity. Great to see you, Brian. I think the lesson plan and the syllabus says if you're going to attempt to go into purpose-driven marketing and align your brand with an ideological viewpoint or a political issue, there's really two rules. You either have to do all or none. So it's not a good idea to sort of thread a needle. You either have to commit and make that explicit commitment and then you're all in no matter what, live or die by those core values you'd like to profess. And so here I think the challenge was once the toothpaste was out of the tube, you can't really put it back. So now you have the issue of how do I make everybody happy? And that's challenging now because without taking a side, everyone's going to be kind of continued upset. You know, we, we led the show, Americus, with Disney versus DeSantis. And I, and I kind of said I thought it was going to be like a lose-lose. Like, I mean, I just don't know how anybody came out of there better off than they, they went into this. And I wonder if this is kind of a similar situation. I believe it is a similar situation, Brian, because I think now now you've got a situation, you've got the LGBTQ plus community with over a trillion dollars of disposable income. They're going to feel left out. You've got the core consumer now who feels like they've been slighted and somehow their identity has been countered in a way that they didn't like. So now everybody's kind of unhappy. And so if you're Bud Light, the challenge is now you really have to say something, but what we actually saw, unfortunately, was kind of a stepping back and sort of a, a wishy-washy kind of statement about, well, you know, we'd like to make everyone happy and we'd like to be inclusive and we don't we just want people to be happy and come together around a beer. And once you step into this world of purpose marketing, you just can't do that. That's it. You got it. You got to be all in to your point. Right. You got If you're going to do it, you do it. Right. What did what did Yoda say to quote the Star Wars? Right. There is no. Try. Try. There's only yes. do. America exactly. Freed, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Always welcome. All right. Now let's head to quicker than the ticker, some important stories and one really cool mummy. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock and go. Norfolk Southern says the East Palestine train derama cost the company $387 million so far. Residents won't care, but the train company has also committed more than $30 million to support the community. The belongings of Queen singer Freddie Mercury are set to go to auction with Sotheby's later this year. The auction will include Mercury's iconic regal outfit for the band's final live performance in 1986. Archaeologists of Peru discovered what they believe is a thousand-year-old mummy, and it's even got some skin and hair intact. 
In streaming news, Netflix's Black Mirror will be back soon after a three-year hiatus. The dystopian tech thriller returns in June. Meet 16-year-old Dennis Barnes. He's close to breaking a record for most college scholarship offers, 125 schools, and 9 million in offers on the table. Wendy's canned chili? Yep, the chain is partnering with Conagra to bring Wendy's chili to grocery stores across the country. A moose walked into an Alaskan movie theater the other day. It's not the opening of a joke. It happened. The angry moose grabbed some popcorn and bailed. Popcorn eating moose. It's a high point. Coming up, the big money in betting on football. And forget the games. The real action now betting on the players. And tomorrow's draft. Talk about it next. Let's talk football. The NFL draft kicking off tomorrow night in Kansas City, which is good news for betters looking for some football action in the offseason, XFL and USFL aside. Here are the odds on who will be drafted first. Overall, according to FanDuel, you can see it's Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, the heavy favorite at minus 2,000. But we could see a surprise potentially tomorrow night. Let's ask Kay Adams, host of Up and Adams on FanDuel TV. She is live from the NFL draft in Kansas City. Thank you for joining us on Last Call. You know, we like to talk about locks in sports betting. Is Bryce Young a lock? I don't have a Yoda reference for you. Excellent work uh, on that quote. But I do have some numbers for you. Bryce Young is that guy. He's getting about 40% to be first overall at minus 2,000 odds right now. And that means my friends at FanDuel will think there's about a 95% chance of him being the pick for Carolina, who traded up to grab him at one. Now, there has been a concern about him. It is his height, but I have seen enough. Drew Breeses and Russell Wilson, I'm five foot nothing myself. And everyone that I've talked to on my show, from Chris Collinsworth to quarterback guru, Galore say he is the guy, the most polished, the most poised, the most ready of this group. And we did see a, a wild 24 hours. I don't know if you heard about what's gone on with Will Levis out of Kentucky. That was bonkers. Okay. They're basically <laughs> this, this guy's good. He was like plus 4,000 in the odds. Then some Redditors started Redditing him and like saying he's going to get picked. And the, uh, and Vegas had to move. It's like the, 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 the day traders that we talk about on CNBC have gotten into your market, Kay. I, it, I would say it, it, it's always an influence. I'm calling it Reddit gate. Luckily, it's over. I can tell you that Will Levis out of Kentucky is getting about 20% of the money. And his odds did get as short as plus 400 on Tuesday. On my show, I was like, what is going on here? The Reddit thing happened, as you so eloquently explained. But we've all relaxed. It's over. And he's now back to plus 1,000. I can tell you he's a very talented prospect. He's a total wild card. Think about Josh Allen. He's also a wild cat. Okay. Yeah, that's very true. And he's got the arm talent, but there's accuracy issues. So if an NFL team can harness that and hone that in, a la Josh Allen, he could go number two to the Texans. He could fall to the mid-rounds. The Patriots might be interested in him. How much money quickly is being wagered this year on the on peep on the draft? Oh, that, that I do not know, but I know if that you wanted to go have some fun, FanDuel Sportsbook is the way to go. And we also have derby odds in our sportsbook for next week as well. So uh, if you want to talk about how many quarterbacks might be taken in the first round, I'm going to say five. I think we might see four quarterbacks go off the board right off the bat. You have the Panthers, you have the Texans, you have the Colts, the Cardinals. They might be looking uh, to trade down to some of those quarterback needy teams like the Raiders, like the Titans, like the Commanders yeah. who might want to 
a quarterback as well. So lots of money and lots of fun. And there's so many specific, like you were saying, player bets that you can make uh, when it Even comes to a Brian Branch. Will he end up with the Cardinals? Even lesser known players and their fits on draft day. Even betting on the under over a quarterbacks. By the way, I put all my bets online last year for NFL against the spread. I think I was like 49 and 22 or something. It was pretty good. Kay Adams, thank you very much. See you soon. Good luck at the draft. Be well. Thank you. Oh, I can have a draft of our own here on CNBC. Tune into a special edition of Power Lunch tomorrow. Ten teams of celebs. I think Ryan Reynolds is in it. An athlete are going to draft stocks. The team with the best return over the next nine months wins. Kicks off 2 p.m. Eastern. Fun fact, random but interesting. I was honored to have hosted the very first stocks draft many, many moons ago. It was much like, just like the real one, much less fancy. Do you know what happened 46 years ago tonight? One of the most infamous and famous nightclubs in the world open. That's Studio 54 in Manhattan. So let's get down and go back in time to April 26, 1977. What was once an abandoned opera theater quickly became the capital of disco and a playground for the rich and famous. New York City club goers party with Liza Minnelli, Liz Taylor, First Lady Betty Ford, Goldie Hawn, Elton John, Mick Jagger, and more. In fact, Jagger's ex-wife Bianca Jagger famously rode a white horse into the club on her birthday. Studio 54 was so successful that one of the owners boasted that only the mafia did better than the nightclub. Guess what? The IRS heard that. They raided the studio in 1978. Both owners pled guilty to tax evasion after allegedly skimming more than $2 million for the nightclub's profits. Studio 54 closed its doors after just 33 months, but lived like 20 years in that time. The final bash was appropriately named the end of the modern-day Gomorrah. Fast forward to today, the famous disco nightclub is now a Broadway theater. Studio 54. Nothing happened there. Thanks for watching, everybody. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's it for Last Call tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. Shark Tank is next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.